Welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Welcome back. So I was watching a documentary on the Dead Sea Scrolls, and they have uh, made some fantastic strides in the research on the Dead Sea Scrolls. And I, I bet you're probably thinking right now, good night, how bored do you have to get to sit and watch a documentary, number one, and number two on the Dead Sea Scrolls? I think I would rather go outside and watch paint dry. Well, I'll be honest, uh, this is the kind of stuff that I do like to keep up with. And the Dead Sea Scrolls, I think, uh, in terms of information for biblical studies, okay, for the Bible and how things relate to the Bible, is massive. In other words, I mean, in fact, some archaeologists have actually said it is the greatest archaeological find in the 20th century. And I've I've mentioned before, I think, uh, three things that pastors, pastors should have command of, or at least working knowledge of, uh, is the history of the Bible and the church, the culture of Jewish nation itself the language command of the languages that the Bible has written in and I tag on archaeology why is that? because archaeology can improve and change the prior three so that's why that stuff comes up on my radar Now, I found it interesting, though. In this documentary, there was one particular archaeologist that kind of stood out to me. It wasn't that this archaeologist had more time than the other archaeologists, necessarily. I I think they actually did. But it... this, This particular archaeologist had a different kind of take on things. Um, more like not excited about the find but more of just kind of like they were reading a textbook Um, I'm not suggesting that this archaeologist was was, uh, less passionate or less knowledgeable than the other archaeologists but let me me get into it this way I, I went and look this particular archaeologist up, and I'm not going to mention their name, but they had a lot of accolades, had gone to some very influential universities, uh, as well as some in Israel itself. So the fact that this was a very knowledgeable person and had a PhD, okay, yeah, 
you know, was pretty significant. But the, the, here's the thing. I did a little research and discovered that this archaeologist was an atheist, which I found kind of fascinating because this was someone who was in biblical studies and even said so. And I'm in my brain, I'm thinking, wow, what in the world would an atheist be doing in biblical studies? Being that biblical studies, you know, has a lot to do with history and fact, but also about faith. So maybe they're just there to study the fact part of it. But then I also heard that this particular archaeologist felt like um, that the tomb, the burial tomb of Jesus, the reason they hadn't found it is because it ain't there. Because we're not looking for the right thing. Because, uh, and if I remember correctly, the way that this particular archaeologist uh, felt was that uh, if a very, very dirt poor couple from northern Israel in Nazareth had the money and resources to make a tomb, it would have been in Nazareth, not in Jerusalem. And that possibly Jesus was really just born, just put in a regular grave someplace, and we don't have it. All right. So, that's a theory. Obviously, I don't agree with it at all, because really what it does is it utterly dismisses the Bible as a historical, factual, accurate document, which I definitely believe it is. And the reason are many, but let me just say this, that for centuries, no one really knew or believed, quote-unquote, I think, that um, Pontius Pilate existed because he wasn't in any of your standard uh, Roman documents. And people just thought, well, somebody made this guy up. didn't exist. I mean, and they were serious about it. They really didn't think he existed. Until when they were doing archaeological work in Caesarea Maritima, there's two Caesareas. There's Caesarea Philippi, which is near the Sea of Galilee, and there's uh, Caesarea Maritima, which is on the coast of the Mediterranean. But they were doing excavations in Caesarea Maritima and discovered a dedicatory stone for a coliseum that read from uh, Pontus Pilatus to Tiberius Caesar. Okay? So, boom. All of a sudden, you have archaeological evidence, which is another reason why, again, I'm saying, pastors need to be at least knowledgeable 
all right? Most of the study Bibles have a section in archaeology in it. I mean, it'd be a good idea to read that. So anyway, here's the thing. When someone comes to the Word, comes to the Bible, a lot of times they come to the Bible with baggage. I think we all do. The Bible says quite a quite a few things. Quite a few things also that just we really that that are kind of painful <laughs> about human behavior, about the stuff we do to other people, against God, against man, and says Categorically, this is not acceptable to the living God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if you engage in these things, there are consequences and there will be a payment. And to be quite honest, I mean, I get it. Um, divine discipline is not a tea party. And as someone who will testify to you that I believe I have been on the hand of divine discipline in a fatherly kind of way, it ain't fun. Yeah, that's how we describe it in Texas. It ain't fun. So... You can either believe the biblical record, which I believe it. I believe it's historically accurate. Or not. Uh, unfortunately, we have a lot of quote-unquote people in religious circles, okay? Who are get, making their living doing religious things. Analyzing the Bible who are assuming it's wrong. Just straight up, just assuming, that nah, I can't be right. And they have a lot of fancy degrees. And to be honest, there's a lot of pastors that got a lot of fancy degrees. And, uh, and believe me, as someone who loves higher education, okay, and I've mentioned this again, I got two upper-level degrees, you know, I like education, I love the university. I love it. I love, you know, the studying part of that. I'm I'm geeky in that way, or nerdy in that way, however you want to think about it. Just because somebody has a degree doesn't mean doesn't mean they're right. Now, hopefully, you would think if somebody has a degree, they would the percentage of chance that they're right would be higher right but that doesn't guarantee they're right when people come to the the bible come you're you're coming to the word of the living god of abraham isaac and jacob that he's the record he has left for us and if you assume it's wrong then that kind of puts you at odds in a way. Now, some people are totally 
comfortable with that. Now, that doesn't mean you can't test stuff, because that's what we do. In some ways, certain parts of, of higher criticism are good because it makes us think about the Bible in deeper ways. Because it makes us think about, is this really, you know, something that that, that is uh, should be in the Bible? You know, the, and people had to think about that when they were collecting all the books to go in the Bible. But let's uh, let me kind of take this this glass half empty kind of attitude towards the Bible a little further. Most people love to hear John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have eternal life. So that's John three sixteen. Beautiful, beautiful verse. But we don't continue reading and maybe we should so in the ESV if you start at verse 18 and go to uh, believe verse 20 in John 3 it says this whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. Now that's a little sobering. A lot of times, people don't like what's in the Bible because they don't like the light. It shines on their behavior. And that's unfortunate because a light reveals whatever's in front of it as it is. And if it's ugly and wrong, it shows it. If it's good and right, it shows that. But if you have problems and the light of the word shines on you, okay, it can be a painful process, but it's there to help us deal with them. God is not some divine policeman with a big old flashlight catching you trying to break into a car. There you are. Come here, I'm going to smack you in the head. Instead, what God would like to do is he shines the light, you're breaking in the car, he says, stop. Come here. Let let's let's look this over and let me help you. Why are you breaking in this car? You you need a place to stay. 
Is there food in there? Are you hungry? Do you need clothes? There are clothes in this car. You're breaking in for that. Let me fix this. Let me help. That's the way God looks at it. But if he offers to help and you break in the car anyway, okay, you're going to jail. That's the thing. So, a lot of times I find that people don't like the Bible because they don't like what it says. And they don't want other people hearing it. And they want to shut it off, shut it down. But it isn't going to happen that way. Because the Word of God endures forever. Jesus said, not one jot or tittle of my of the word will pass away. Not one little bitty dot of the word of God will ever pass away. And for centuries, people have been have tried to get rid of it and destroy it, Old and New Testament. And it has always remained. And it will always remain. And it will prove other people people's love of God or the fact that they're liars. And will show their deeds to everyone. Now, here's the thing. That sounds kind of preachy. But once again, we really have to remember that God is trying to help. You cannot fix something you know you, that you don't know is wrong. And if you know it's wrong and you're not fixing it, he's got to, to intervene. And he will. Whether you're lost and you don't believe anything the Bible has to say, or you do. God's going to work with everybody. The question is, you know, how are we going to approach the Bible? It is historically accurate and factual. And it is trustworthy. I think... That And by the way, there are plenty of people in seminaries that have really fancy degrees that don't believe that and would utter, utterly think you're a moron and would probably call you an idiot if you told them you believed that the Bible is historically factual and, and credible. Even though there's a ton of information out there. So... Next time you see someone with a fancy degree, inside or outside of the church, be sure to find out where they're coming from before you start listening to what they got to say. I believe that there's good information to be had from lost people and saved people. That sounds kind of kind of crazy, doesn't it? Um, 
but here's the deal. You've got to qualify the information you're getting. Because anything that is against the Word of God, believe me, is not going to stand. So with that, I want to encourage you to keep on keeping on. Thank you for listening to this edition of Speak It On. And as always, don't be afraid to speak the Word in boldness and truth. And may God bless all of your efforts.